in this kind of hyper turbulent environment where we don't know what is the next thing that's coming down the track that we can say it's going to take a you know a blended kind of leadership like I don't lead alone I've got a team of people and I need the complementarity of people but we have a real active conversation at NCT about the extent to which we need real emotional intelligence and critical thinking and sort of personal resilience and we need that as much as we need deep technical skills and we need a blend of all of that in order to make sure that we can lead sustainably. I mean, there are some other things that, that, of course, you'd expect me to say, like, we need good childcare and we need good maternity leave and we need good. But, you know, I think that that is talked about. And I, I'm glad to be working with organisations across the sector who champion and fight for those things. But I think there are other things about, like, culture, what we deem heroic and the kinds of role models that we have out that are also important part of influencing for longer term change. Welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I believe that no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, brilliant people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children. This leads to greater gender inequality and the same stale, mostly male, white middle-class people leading our organizations. We need to change this. And in fact, my hope is that many of you listening right now to this podcast will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible where you make the decisions that make our world a better place. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus. If you want support from amazing like-minded peers, join our events or find out about our world-class career development programs for parents, then sign up to our monthly newsletter on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter. We will open applications soon for our cross-sector fellowship program again. And until then, keep an eye on our newsletter for our free events where our fellows share their learning. I'm Angela McConville. I have the great pleasure of being the chief executive of the NCT, the National Childbirth Trust. And my family are my son, Albert, who's 12, and my daughter, Ellie, who's nine. Lovely. And looking back over your career, now a CEO with with children in tow, in hindsight, what did you used to assume about combining a big career with young children that you don't believe anymore? That's a really interesting question. And I think It would be fair to say that I've always had a personal philosophy or life view that anything was possible. You know, I had a great sense of like conviction. I guess I've got a strong sense of like hard work and tenacity and determination. And so I think I was of a view that everything was possible. You know, like I can be a mother and I can be a professional and I can be a friend and I can, you know, and I can, you know, I can play that multitude of roles. And I, Of course, with life and experience, one learns about compromises and trade-offs and, you know, moments to dial up and dial down different aspects of that blend. But I certainly, I don't think that I ever subscribed to the concept of like being a superwoman or a super, you know, super mother or, you know, but I think that I always had a view, a strong conviction that I, that I could do both. And I think it partly was informed by the fact that I, I grew up in Northern Ireland. 
in a quite turbulent, you know, social and economic environment. And my mother was a very strident and passionate community volunteer and was, you know, definitely a strong sense of like the matriarch in our family. And so I guess I had this role model of someone who was making social change happen in our community and was mothering. And my father sometimes worked away. So she was you know, she was really busy and and had a full life. And I guess that at some level would have instilled in me the possibility that I could have both a a life of social purpose, that I could, you know, have a leading role in a family structure as well. I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely. You have definitely answered the question. So obviously, even just speaking to you before we've come on air, you know, you seem to be like someone who absolutely has got it together with both a big career and a small or well medium small children by now. Can you take us back to one of your lower moments of combining a big career with young kids and what your reflections are or your learnings on that in hindsight? I think I I can definitely locate a moment. When I was on my second period of maternity leave, I had the opportunity to take a new job and I actually interviewed for and accepted a role for a new organization as their chief executive whilst I was on maternity leave. So I find myself in a new role in a new organization with a young baby that I was breastfeeding and all of that kind of turbulence of life that happens at at that sort of time in your career where, you know, you're moving house and commuting and, you know, it was just a very, and and a child at nursery school. And, you know, I did find myself starting to experience I guess, the manifestations of stress, possibly stress that I wasn't accepting or acknowledging consciously. And it started to manifest in terms of like tingling in my fingers and my hands and my feet and just feeling a bit like, you know, and actually that was a bit of a calling card that I needed to probably consciously engage with the multitude of different pressures that I was experiencing. And to get some help, actually. And, you know, that was the form of like checking in with my GP and explaining that that I was experiencing this. And and then, you know, very consciously getting some therapy because I think my GP was like, you're fine. Like you're physically very healthy woman, but you're carrying like a huge suite of stress factors and you probably need to get some support for that. And actually, it very quickly dissipated and has never heard thank goodness but it was a moment you know it was a really heightened moment and I was really conscious that I couldn't be a good parent if I couldn't also be a successful professional and that I needed to have all of those things in a balance and that looking after my health and my well-being and being very conscious about that was important in the mix and so it was a good early lesson actually in my career to make sure that I was always consciously looking after my well-being as part of then making sure that I can be both a great mum and a great, you know, professional, or at least trying to be a good professional and, and you know, and have a social life and have friendships and, you know, have healthy relationships. That was a frightening moment, actually, when my physical body began to tell me something that my, perhaps my conscious mind hadn't yet fully engaged with. Thank you so much for sharing that story so openly. I think it's so interesting how Obviously, quite a few of the people who are on the fellowship program where you are very generously mentoring as well, they're listening as well. And I am always so interested by the fact that many of them have always been 
really, really good at their jobs and they're used to performing exceptionally well. And then you also have that parent responsibility where you also want to perform exceptionally well. And then suddenly, like you have never learned to take a step back and to looking after yourself because you're always so used to going on all cylinders. But mm. I think your reflection of actually at some point there is a limit and you have to look after yourself in order to continue to thrive. I think that's a really powerful reflection, especially for us type A personalities. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think for me, it doesn't have to be all consuming. You know, I want to be really honest, like I'm not a person who's got enough time in my day to like meditate in the morning and do yoga at lunch or it's, you know, it's not for me that I have to spend hours a day on personal well-being, but I do hold a, a conscious dialogue with myself about am I doing enough to be well and be able to fulfill because I'm ambitious for most things that I do in my life you know like whether it's mothering or working or my you know my social network and so I want to be able to sustain that I've got a great appetite for that and so I do need to maintain a kind of conscious conversation that says like am I doing enough all the time to keep myself in a physical and mental place where I can keep that up and that might be as simple as like did I get outside today (laughs) you know, did I put lipstick on this morning? But it can also be like, you know, am I doing more deliberate work, such as like maintaining my my relationship with my therapist or, you know, being conscious about what I eat and my, you know, am I sleeping well? And so I think that there's definitely a trigger that comes with the complexity of parenting and professional life that invites that question because parenting is such a huge undertaking And I think for most people, it does create this question of, you know, huge responsibility and love. And you think, well, if I I want to sustain this and I want to do the best that I can in the circumstances I'm in, what's going to be intrinsic to enabling me to do that? And I think it was really, I now look back and think that was a really valuable moment for me to just know that my personal well-being is important in the cocktail of things that I've got to look after. And your charity speaks a lot about the first 1000 days, which I remember Mm -hmm. when I was a new mom for the first time, it really influenced me like this idea that the the first 1000 days are very important for your child, but also also, it's probably a key moment in the parent's life where you are transforming from non-parent to parent. Can you summarize what those first 1000 days were like for yourself in looking after your own children? I think my first reaction to that is like, I can almost not remember But then, of course, if I really slow down and think, then, of course, it's a whole kaleidoscope of memories. And I think my overarching sense is like what a roller coaster that time is. You know, it feels like I can't remember it in any kind of chronology or or with any great sense of narrative. But what I do, what I can remember or evoke is a real sense of like real highs, like life-changing sense of you know love and connection and feeling and also extraordinary you know moments of feeling you know tired emotional lonely just that roller coaster of that can be experienced on an hourly basis never mind a daily or a weekly basis so yes I mean I, I think you're right like at NCT we believe passionately in the transformative moment that happens for 
women, for expectant parents, for new families in that period. And, you know, we believe passionately in the impact of that, both on the parents and on the babies. And it is a really significant moment of transformation in most people's lives. And yet, I guess what we would we would posit is that it doesn't get enough focus in terms of the policy landscape or the, if you like, the sort of societal infrastructure. You know, we could have a very interesting conversation about that. But I think, yes, I mean, I, I agree with your premise wholeheartedly that that is a very significant moment. And it's a very, very precious space for NCT to occupy, to be the national charity that supports women and families in that period you know when from conception through pregnancy through childbirth and in those in that early period of being a parent interesting and i find very often it is in those first thousand days that people make decisions that affect their careers in the longer term that they can change those decisions of course but you know some of it is really going to determine whether or not you're going to have a CEO role in 20 years time. And we all know that sadly, you're a great example of a female CEO. But even in the charity sector, the biggest charities are run by men predominantly compared to a very female workforce. What do you think needs to change if we are to get to a world where there's genuine equality in senior leadership and where we actually where having a child is not going to determine whether or not you're likely to progress your career? I wish that there was a kind of singular, simple answer to that. I think immediately my mind thinks that there's a kind of like go everywhere answer. Some of the things that I think are important in that mix are I think we need role models. I think we do need role models who demonstrate that it is possible to be a woman, a mother, a leader, but also to have like authentic role models and to to not kind of have this poster professional of someone who's like making it all happen you know like I try to be very authentic at work I do the school run in the morning sometimes I'm late for the first meeting if it doesn't all go well at the school gate you know like I try to show up with a sense of like I'm a real person keeping the show on the road just like everyone else is showing up at work and I think you know and that doesn't mean that I don't have days where I have to clear my evening because I've got a board meeting or but I I do try to be authentic I've seen a step change in that through the pandemic like we're all having to show up with greater sense of intimacy and authenticity about what's going on at home because we're all juggling a real turbulence of health well-being you know homeschooling whatever the whatever's been sort of thrown at us so I think role models are important and I can see that in my own family I have a daughter I have a son and a daughter but interestingly I, I can see actually for both of them that having a role model in terms of both a mother and a and someone who's in the world doing the work that I do that's important and it's making an impact in terms of what and how they think the world should be organized I think we probably need a different discourse around leadership and I also think that that's happening you know I see a real active shift from a kind of like traditional form of you know the heroic leader the kind of to a real sense And we have some great examples, I think, particularly in the charity sector of like, you know, emotional intelligence and compassionate leadership. And again, I think in some sectors that's not very in vogue still. You know, you only have to look in the media this week at, you know, the arrival of Elon at Twitter and the kind of, you know, the the heroic game changing leader. And you sort of think, I'm not really sure that that discourse speaks to a lot of women and the way that they want to lead in the world. And yeah, I think 
increasingly that's not really the kind of like leadership that we need societally or globally. And so I think we do need to have a more active discourse about like, it's not without flaws, that kind of more traditional historic approach to leadership. In fact, there's lots of reports written about how that kind of, you know, a certain kind of, I don't want to over stereotype, but, you know, kind of testosterone fueled, you know, active decision making leadership, like that's not always served us well. So I think that's important. I think that we need to have greater courage to say that it takes in this kind of, you know, hyper turbulent environment where we don't know what is the next thing that's coming down the track that we can say it's going to take a, you know, a blended kind of leadership. Like I don't lead alone. I've got a team of people and I need the complementarity of people. But we have a real active conversation at NCT about the extent to which we need real emotional intelligence and critical thinking and sort of personal resilience. And we need that as much as we need deep technical skills. And we need a blend of all of that in order to make sure that we can lead sustainably. I mean, there are some other things that, that of course, you'd expect me to say, like, we need good childcare and we need good maternity leave and we need good. But, you know, I think that that is talked about. And I'm glad to be working with organisations across the sector who champion and fight for those things. But I think there are other things about, like, culture, what we deem heroic and the kinds of role models that we have out that are also important part of influencing for longer term change. I so agree with what you said there. And you mentioned about leading, well, leadership generally. I want to ask, do you think the way that you lead your team has an impact on how you are able to balance career and family life? I'm so conscious that my team could like tune in. So I'm like, I'm thinking through my answer. Look, I think at NCT, first and foremost, like I've never worked in an environment that is more consciously family friendly in terms of being an employer. And I think we have always seen ourselves as having a a distinct employee brand proposition which is around the fact that you know we're a place for parents and I know that we challenge ourselves on that that we're continuing to be you know best in class and not being complacent about that and actually recently we've identified some areas where we need to do some more work and so, so I think there is something about in that environment you know, there's a culture which is very sensitive to the fact that there are a lot of working parents. Like, I think something like 78% of the employees at NCT work on a part-time basis. We've got a highly part-time parenting workforce. We've got a lot of women in the workforce. And so all of those things mean that I have to lead with that in mind. And, And having a workforce that is comprised in that way creates certain types of dynamics and challenges and and you know we have to be really conscious about how we work because most people are not working five days a week so how we plan our work how we communicate together how we show up together how we program manage things we have to do that with the kind of organization that we are in mind does the way I lead affect how I parent I think the way I want to parent actually influences how I show up at work. So I'm very transparent about my family. You know, sometimes my kids will, you know, certainly pop into Zoom. But I'm also, you know, I'm boundaried at certain points of the day because I want to have, I want to eat with the kids in the evening. I like to be at the school gate a certain number of times a week. I'm very, very boundaried about the weekends. 
that's really precious for us because we're a busy, busy household. So I like to have family time. And so because of that, like, I hope, although one can always improve, you know, that having boundaries, having a lot of trust in the people that you work with, that they're really committed professional people, they can get the job done. I don't need to, you know, overmanage them, need to create the conditions for them to deliver as well. But, you know, like all chief executives, I can hear my team saying, oh, but you're always running at 100 miles an hour and we're all trying to keep up, you know. And so sometimes I do have to moderate my sense of like I've got high level of like ambition for the organization I'm leading. And I need to temper that sometimes and be mindful that there's only so much kind of work and change that an organization can experience at any point in time. Fascinating. You mentioned that a large proportion of your employees are working part-time. I know that a lot of people, senior leaders, do still today think that part-time is bad for productivity and bad for organizations. What is your reflection to that? Oh, I would strongly refute that. I mean, I think NCT thrives because we have this large part-time workforce. I see every day that I have colleagues who are extraordinarily productive and committed and hardworking. So, you know, I would refute that as a premise. I think there's some, you know, well, and, and actually we know, like we're just coming to the end, aren't we, of a, like a scaled pilot that's looking at whether four days a week would be more, you know, would create more productive environment. And I think it's not about part-time or full-time. I think it's about the, you know, the conditions that we create for our colleagues. I mean, that said, I don't want to be sort of over simplistic about in a world of work that's been constructed around a five day working week where you have a high volume of of colleagues who work two or two and a half or three days a week. There are things that there are watch out that you, you don't find that you're asking colleagues who have part time contracts to almost like work compressed full time expectations and so again, we have a we have to challenge ourselves that that the work, how we organize the work, how what we expect in terms of delivery, that that reflects the nature of how people are working with us. But no, I mean, I think that for me, the the issue of productivity is not about hours. Actually, I think it, it would be much more about like culture and trust and investing in people to to thrive. And you know what, recognizing that increasingly what we as individuals juggle in and around our working life or our family life is extraordinarily demanding and actually what I see are colleagues who choose to work part-time as I say they are remarkably impactful with us as employees or colleagues but also in the world the different the different things that they get involved in whether it's campaigning or being involved in local community activity or local schools school governorships etc I mean, my colleagues are extraordinarily impactful. Something else I wanted to pick up from what you said, you mentioned that most of the employees work part-time, but you're also under quite a lot of pressure to be a really good parent employer, given your charity is all about supporting parents. I'm interested, what are you currently doing to support parents, but also what's on your thinking? Because my assumption is that you're probably at the upper end in terms of what support you're providing what are you currently thinking about to improve your offer to parent employees even further 
I think we're not alone in this by any means. And as I said earlier, I think the pandemic has been a real leveler for organisations around this. But there's a deeply conscious environment of parents and children. So, you know, we will have we will have babies at board meetings. You know, we will create the the condition. We would like to create the conditions for women to breastfeed at a board meeting, a membership meeting, to have, you know, your child with you if that's what's required. You know, I think I've been at as many board meetings as not where there are babies or toddlers or both or, you know, and that's part of the culture of how we work. Like we want members, they are largely parents or practitioners in our community to be part of how the organisation's governed. And so making that part of how we how we welcome people and how we set the culture, that feels really important. I think in terms of like where next, like we've got a real organisational focus on equity and inclusion. We've been asking ourselves lots of questions about not just assuming that we're doing well in some of these areas, really wanting to stretch ourselves. So we've set up an inclusion oversight group, which is partly made up of staff and partly made up of industry leaders working in areas to do with diversity, inclusion, workforce development, culture. And we're just at the beginnings of that work, but we are inviting these thought leaders or industry professionals to talk to us and share examples of like really interesting practice in their areas of work that they can share with us so that we can think about, you know, how we should evolve our policies and how we could continue to be both a great employer but also then be a great, you know, part of the thought leadership and part of the role modelling in wider society. And that's been really interesting. You know, if I give you an example, one of our colleagues has shared that in his organisation, they've moved away from concepts of like maternity leave and paternity leave because this kind of like binary definition of leave and conditions, etc., just doesn't really work in a world where the family structure and how people you know, enter into new families just doesn't work, you know, in those kind of like quite traditionally conceived um, concepts. And we've looked at examples of like organisations who've been really trailblazing around how they've created much more gender inclusive parenting leave policies. And it's really exciting work but it really strikes to the heart of being like an organization that that prizes equity so I think what we would say is like we want to to be good in this space and we want to be better than we are because we know that the nature of being a family and being a parent is changing and changes dynamic I wouldn't say rapidly but it is a changing situation and we would want to make sure that our policies and cultures and practices reflect that and are a place where that's really something that we're working on actively and so I'm really grateful to like have found very committed and often from within the NCT membership people who step forward and say look we've got some great practice we'd love to come and share that with you see if that could help you know NCT continue in that you know thrive in this space. Fantastic I'm going to ask you can you name two or three organizations who are doing brilliantly I'm sure everyone listening will want to go and check them out now. Yes. So we one of our leaders is working for Fidelity Investment. And I believe that they've become as as a result of this work. I hope I'm not going to over or underrepresent their achievements, but I my recollection is that they have become one of the global top 100 employers for the LGBTQI community. 
as a result of the work that they've done around parenting policies and that sort of equity around that. I think Ch- Channel 4 is an organisation that we've looked at. And again, from recollection, some pretty, I don't want to say trailblazing, because some of what's happening is what I think we might all say that, well, this is how policy development should go. I think, you know, around like menopause and having really good conditions for supporting colleagues who are experiencing the menopause. Also, I can't remember the name of the organisation, but, you know, we're starting to see some really interesting policy development around how to support colleagues in the workforce around issues to do with miscarriage and baby loss so these are the types of things that we're looking at to say okay what is what does the what does cutting edge practice look like or you know sort of innovative high quality practice and what can we learn from that and how could we adapt that for our workforce thank you so much for sharing angela very interesting i want to come back to your own story if you don't mind looking back to when your children were very young I was wondering, is there anything that you would tell your younger self? Is there anything that you were worried about at the time that actually in hindsight you really didn't need to worry about or vice versa? Was there something that you wish you would have done or you wish you would have thought about when the children were very young? I definitely can remember a distinct like inflection point when I reconciled myself very clearly to the effect that I needed more help if I was going to be able to you know, sustain the suite of things that I wanted to do. And I think I'd been a bit probably reluctant around that. And I, through a mentoring relationship that I had at that time, I made the realisation that actually I need more help if I'm going to sustain my work, my family, and other non-executive commitments that I had at that point in time. And actually, that was really game-changing. And of course, quite quickly, then I got really good at asking for more help or saying isn't really working for me I'm going to have to get a different solution in place so I think having help being really conscious about putting around yourself the the infrastructure that you need in order to to thrive is very important and that continues today and I'm sort of like relentlessly unapologetic with my friends my networks to say like can you help me out could you do this could you do the pickup could you you know I think just accepting that things are dynamic and then I think the other thing which I definitely have learned more recently is around like in fact we have a we have a bit of um, fun with it at NCT progress not perfection like that's been a bit of a mantra for our leadership team which is you know I think the era of like being in pursuit of perfection we just don't have the conditions for that and it's not healthy and actually we're all as a leadership team, we are grappling with how to really consciously say, this is good enough, you know, like this work or this approach is good and it doesn't need to be perfect. You know, there's that old mantra of like, you know, perfection being an impediment to to progress or, and so I think across my life, you know, you can't, I have not been able to find a way to be exceptionally high performing in all areas of my life in a sustained way and that just you know and actually just giving oneself a break and saying actually do you know what I'm trying to think of a really like down-to-earth example of where I'm like maybe my child didn't have the healthiest lunchbox today but you know or there are just some places not that that's where I make the (laughs) trade-offs 
But, you know, like just accepting that sometimes, you know, there isn't milk in the fridge or I mean, I, I shared with a colleague last week that I had a real moment of I had this real like sense of like achievement because I managed to get petrol in my car before it ran out of petrol because I'd been charting for days like oh I must get time to go to the garage and like put some petrol in and I just like I, I got some petrol in the car by the skin of my teeth and you know what sometimes just saying I'm winning you know like these small things mean that it's you know I'm making progress and keeping the show on the road and so I think like in summary like asking for help um for the most part people are really happy to help asking for help and being willing to concede that good is good enough most of the time and I think it is worth saying that you're a single parent just because or a single parent now in a blended family I don't know exactly the term for it but essentially I think that's that's important to say because if the odds are stacked against working parents in couples the research shows that single parents are even less likely to progress to senior leadership. So I think I just wanted to say that because if you were able to get to a senior role, then personally, I find that very, very inspiring. And it sounds like the support around you is even more important for that. Yeah, so I'm ve- I mean, I'm very happy to share that. Like I was a, it's, I mean, these, these definitions are hard, aren't they? Because I've never when one says I'm a single parent, it evokes a certain kind of idea. Like I've always enjoyed a very supportive and cooperative co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband. But I am the primary carer of my children. And I certainly had a period when I was at home alone in a chief executive role parenting the kids. And that that was part of that inflection point I described where I had to accept that I needed to get some help on a quite material basis. And I was very lucky to be in a job where I had the resources to make that choice or with my ex-husband to together make that choice. But there's no doubt about it. And I think I'm hugely... the pandemic period was quite an equalizer for me because some of the things that I had normalized pre-pandemic as this is the conditions to enable me to to have this and to do this kind of work you know actually I think all of us realized that we you know I don't need to be commuting four hours a day like leaving home in the dark coming home in the dark like actually and so that's been a great a great silver lining for me is to be more present at home in more of the daytime hours and at more of the sort of key moments for the kids. So I have asked you lots and lots of questions and I know that my colleague Lynn is going to tell me off for running over time a little bit again but it was an incredibly interesting conversation. I would love to ask you a final question. What would you like your children to remember about your career once they've grown up? It's really difficult for me to think forward because I'm so like in the depths of my career right now. But what I know from the conversations that I have with them is that I think there's a number of things. I think, as I mentioned before, I think there's something powerful about them having role models and not just me, my partner, their dad, you know, people who are out in the world doing good work, often socially motivated, purposeful work. I think that's had a really significant impact on them. I think that they can see what I hope I'm teaching them is about the value of, of work, about how that's good 
for one's being. Like work can be a, a force for good in one's life. It's not a kind of burden or a, you know, like actually I think we have very positive conversations about how work, when you find work that you enjoy and that's purposeful and it's rewarding, that that can be a really good a force for good in your life in terms of your orientation, your well-being. I think we also talk a lot about what it takes to sustain work in terms of like personal resilience and commitment. And so, I mean, most of all, I know that they are really interested in and passionate about, you know, and I've done a range of different work and I, you know, I talk appropriately about it at home. And I think that it's given them a real taste for the diversity of things that one can do that does good in the world or has, you know, has a social impact. You know, I probably like most parents, I'm always asking myself if I'm getting the balance right, are they going to remember that I was always working or are they going to remember that I was there and, you know, sort of consciously with them? I hope I'm, I'm trying to get that balance as good as I can. I check in with them, but, you know, that is something that probably like most parents I'm wrestling with most of the time, like, am I getting the balance right? Am I because even if I'm with them, am I present with them or is my mind, you know, distracted about the hundred things I kind of need to get back to? So it's really helpful to hear you say that even you have these moments of thinking like that, which is very, very reassuring. Oh, my goodness. I have those moments, honestly, every day, like every day I'm consciously thinking like this evening I have a work commitment. That means that the kids are probably going to be like looking after themselves for a couple of hours and, you know, like really wrestling with myself and us checking in with them and like is this okay is this in a balance are you guys going to be fine and but you know I think yeah it's kind of that point I was making before about just the sort of like the honest conversation with yourself and your family which is you know like we're all in pursuit of making good progress but it doesn't have to be perfect and there will be days where they are definitely I'm dialing up all of my attention and love for them and there are days when I have to dial that down because my focus or my emotional investment is needed somewhere else and I hope that I'm able to steward that with the kids in a way that you know that they can understand but I also feel like that's that's been very important for me and that probably sounds like a selfish sort of concluding note but I genuinely believe that I can be a good mother to them and can provide a good home for them because I'm also really ensuring that the things that I need intellectually and in terms of purpose and in terms of growth are also things that I'm pursuing and I think those two things exist in some kind of like balance and the question then is like what is the balance on any given hour and day thank you so much Angela that's been a very inspiring conversation if people want to find out more about you and connect with your work support your work where should they go the two places are you can connect with me on LinkedIn really happy to make connections I'm a very social extroverted creature so yes always happy to connect so you can send me an invitation to connect on LinkedIn or you can follow me on Twitter where you'll get a nice happy mix of mummy Angela and NCT Angela wonderful thank you very much my pleasure If you enjoyed today's conversation, you might also like episode 36, where I talk to a group of fellows about expectations of mothers and how to deal with those. You might also enjoy our free event in January about returning to work if you are on maternity leave or have returned 
um, a very short time ago. If this podcast has been helpful to you and you'd like a practical community to support you, then consider joining the fellowship program. You can find details about this and access any of our free events on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter. On the fellowship, you get access to amazing role models who have experience of bringing up kids whilst progressing their careers, mentors, support with practical challenges, for example, workload management or saying no. You'll get support to develop your vision and make a plan for career and family life in small group sessions. And you will access research on what causes career progression and how to implement this practically in the context of looking after young children. In our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or got additional senior responsibility by the end of the programme. And they're all involved in some shape or form in driving wider change for working parents, which really excites me. Oh, and as I mentioned in the middle, if you think the world of podcasting should be a bit more gender equal and less of an old boys club, and you want to support me and this podcast, then I would be super appreciative of you taking a moment to share it, let's say, for example, via WhatsApp or Signal. And also it really helps if you write a five-star review. It just, the algorithm makes it more popular and it gets seen more and so on. So yeah, it would be super helpful. Thank you so much and see you next week.